When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton, and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision, or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news, every weekday lunchtime, on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. Headline news around the globe. Manchester City lose a game away from home. Uh, Liverpool also get three points, which lifts them to five points above the relegation zone. So many congratulations to them. Uh, Listen, the ref gets praise for keeping the game going. And then, of course, we have our VAR decision. And then... We have a manager abusing an official, setting the worst possible example. There's lots to talk about, lots to get through. If we get time, we might even talk about Copenhagen nil, Manchester City nil as well, and look forward to Brighton at the weekend as well. Welcome to three very miserable looking Manchester City fans. Welcome to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. Welcome to Rob Barron, CGID. I'm not Hi, miserable at all. I'm very happy. Very good. We'll start with you, I think, then, Rob, unless Stephen can trump that with a welcome, Stephen, a view from a blue. Welcome to you as well, Stephen. Hi, Nigel. Hi. Shall we start with Rob then, Rob? You're a happy man. That's always good to hear, Rob. Explain why, my friend. Uh, I'm happy because uh, you look at our position at the top of the Premier League or very close to it. We have players recovering from injuries. We lost one important game. That's the first game of the season we lost. We were under par, but it wasn't a poor performance generally. And the refereeing decisions were inadequate and uh, unfortunate. But there you go. We have to move on. We did not do anything wrong. And we're 10 points ahead of Liverpool and very close to Arsenal. So we should not overreact. And the media response on social media has been pathetic. 
from City supporters saying that Pep bottled it and we won't win the Champions League without Pep. This is all nonsense. People should keep their nerve and see where we are and what a good position we're in. Well, we may come back to that, Rob, because there are a number of fans who said, look, you know, he does, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we know that we had a situation with three at the back and two wing backs in Foden and Cancelo, Cancelo on the right. De Bruyne was out of position and kind of was all, all out of sorts as well. Cancelo's not a great defender and that showed for the goal. So plenty of stuff to get into here. And I appreciate your enthusiasm and your positivity, but there are a number of negatives too, Sarah. At the end of the day, we lost to the Scousers, which is uh, not something we want to talk about about each week on the show is it never, never a pleasant experience Nigel I'm just glad I didn't tweet anything about pep tinkering and anything negative last night or else Rob would be contacting me after the show I I I mean I agree largely with Rob's analysis it wasn't a terrible performance it was a frustrating performance because Liverpool really were there for the taking in my view we, we were better than them even though we weren't our usual scintillating self um the the disallowed goal was very, very frustrating in the context of the way that Anthony Taylor had been refereeing the match. But I have to say, if it if that had happened the other way around, I'd have been really annoyed if that hadn't been pulled back. He had if he hadn't have had hold of his shirt, I'd have said, let it go. But it's the pull on the shirt invariably gets given as a foul. So um even though he was letting other things go. Um, I, 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 I can't claim that I think we were totally robbed by that decision. Um, but I think Rob's also right to say, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's not the end of the world. We'd, be, we'd have given anything to be 10 points ahead of Liverpool by mid-October. And um, I still think Arsenal can be reeled in. So I'm, I'm reasonably, reasonably happy. Where are you on the sort of happy scale then, Stephen? I think the only thing I'm happy about is we don't have to play away at Anfield for another year. So, um, <laughs> we're not very good there, are we? No, I, to be honest, I thought, I agree with the guys. I think, to a degree, I think we played fairly well. No, we weren't at our best, and I think we all accept that. But I actually think we controlled the game and the atmosphere and the situation and the challenge of playing away at Liverpool. I think we controlled it pretty well. Um, I'm sure we'll get onto the system and Pep's tactics, but I think by and large it it worked. It was two very good teams playing quite well and sort of cancelling each other out. Liverpool, I know some of you we poke fun at them for how they've started the season, and rightly so. But they're not a mid-table team. We know they're a much, much better team than that. And they're a side that cause us problems. So I think Pep adapted to the Liverpool of the last couple of years and not the Liverpool that started the season. And, and Liverpool raised the game and we weren't quite, as I said before, at our best. But I'm not too upset with the performance, but it's a blow to have lost the game and, and to have probably a week now without a fixture where... Wimbling it over and talking about it, and it's going to be in the press and all of this. But yeah, as long as we don't have to go back to Anfield for another few months, I think we're okay. So, Rob, sticking with the positives uh, to start with, and, and we will come back to the tactics. I think it is worth talking about that. Yeah. Uh, but Bernardo, I think, stood out for me. Others have mentioned Foden as well, but but he seems to raise his game against Liverpool, doesn't he? I think he quite enjoys playing against. So, what a, what a what a star he was at the weekend. 
He he was brilliant, and uh, the abuse that he received uh, was delightful from uh, the Liverpool fans. It shows how irritated they are by him. Uh, yes, he played extremely well. I thought Haaland played well. I thought uh, he did what he could do under the circumstances. It was not a good game for Cancelo, uh, and no one's going to pretend that it was. But everyone's entitled to have a good game, Nigel. I mean, the, the issue for me is whether or not people were right to say that Grealish should have played. And I'm not sure about that. I don't think Grealish has done enough to demand a place in a game like that automatically. And I, I think it was sensible to play both Gundogan and Bernardo in the team. Uh, so I thought uh, most people played well. I thought our goalkeeper played extremely well. He, he gets criticised for no good reason. And um, De Bruyne had an off day, but he's entitled to off days. Uh, and I, I think just, we, need, we need to be careful about whether it's the system or people just engaging in having a, an occasional off day, which they're entitled to. I think it probably shows the level we expect of De Bruyne that you're saying that's an off day for him because our yeah. two moments, the cross for Haaland's header, which um, yeah. he put straight at the keeper, and then the goal that was disallowed. And to be honest, I think it was correctly disallowed. It was a foul by Haaland. But that the ball from De, Bo De Bruyne to split the defence that Haaland then had his shot saved and, and Foden got the rebound, that's an unbelievable pass. Yeah. So there are two potentially game-changing moments and De Bruyne's the heart of it. I agree he wasn't involved as much as we've come to expect and that was just one of the sort of consequences, I think, of Pep adapting more to Liverpool. But, you know, he wasn't terrible. You know, he created no. two really good chances and, and look, he's been unbelievable this season. Uh, Sarah, let's just stick with the positives before we move on to those uh, well-documented tactical tweaks that, that Pep tried to employ. Uh, any more positives you'd like to highlight for us before we move on? And maybe you can kick off with the negatives when you finish for us. Well, the, the other positive I would highlight is that for the first 20 or so minutes of the second half, we were totally in control of that game. It almost felt like it was a matter of time till we scored. And in a way, the worst thing that could have happened was to get a disallowed goal. We'd have been better yeah. off either missing it or, um, it, obviously, even better than that, it being given as a goal. Because up until that point, Anfield was its usual library self. Uh, you could only hear the City fans. We were, you know, passing the ball around for fun. And as soon as that goal was disallowed, it reignited the crowd and I think it reignited Liverpool. And actually, we were pretty average. From that point of the game on, we were not great. Um, I think Akanji, the jury's out on Akanji as a right-back as well. He turned into trouble far too many times for my liking. But to be fair to the lad, he's, he's made a great start to his city life and um, he wasn't the only defender who didn't have his best day. So... Um, that that was the other negative I would pick up. The the, the irony of a, a disallowed goal actually really working against us rather than inspiring us. So let's Sarah just just kick us off then, if you would, with kind of these tweaks. People have said if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. I, I, in my introduction, I talked about kind of three at the back and then these two wing backs that I've described with Cancelo on the right and Foden on the left and and kind of Gundogan and 
De Bruyne in some situations occupying the same space. And, and I think people have said that they kind of prefer kind of Foden, uh, De Bruyne rather in that sort of central position, kind of, you know, behind being able to sort of drive us forward. And we, and we didn't have Cancelo in that position that he's been so effective as well, kind of overlapping on the left. So lots of different things. There was clearly a change in tactics, a, a change in the way you set up, which didn't seem to work to our advantage. How do you respond to that? One of the things that I think is a challenge for Guardiola is that he, you know, he's a genius, he's an amazing coach, he more often than not gets tactics right in many of our games. But there is a slightly concerning recurrent theme, which is that in big games that matter, and let's not underestimate how much of a, a blow it would have been to Liverpool if, if we'd beaten them yesterday and gone 13 points clear. I mean, I think that pretty much would have ruled them out of winning the league. Um he seems to tinker and it never seems to pay off. Um, you know, we can all cite the Champions League final. There are plenty of, well, there are a few other examples. So whilst I don't want to uh, cast too much of a, of a cloud over Guardiola's tactical judgment, this theme of him tinkering in big games does slightly concern me. And, um, you know, look, if we'd won yesterday, we'd have all said he's a genius. It didn't pay off. I think I'm more bothered, less by the tactics and more by the fact we know Anfield's a nightmare ground for us. We know that they're going to be up for it because their season it's a season-defining game potentially for them. And I just never felt like this. we had the same energy or fight yeah. that they were showing. And that that's a worry as well. Uh, Stephen, we, we're, we're always very rich and 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 vocal with our praise for pep when he does get it right and 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 thank the lord for us that's over the last few years that's been on numerous occasions it's it is fair is it not before i come to rob uh talking about the tinkering it is fair isn't it to to, to pick up on that because it didn't work we didn't win the game and and we're winning most games at the moment so so we have to pick up on it we have to pick it apart and debate it surely and and i guess you have a view as well in terms of it it, it didn't work did it on this occasion I totally see where Sarah's coming from. We know Pep has this tendency at times to come up with a very left field solution. He went the Champions League final. We know, I think Leon the year before, maybe he went three at the back with Garcia in there and, and tried to match up with what they did. Occasionally he seems to negate our strengths because he's so worried about the opposition. I actually don't think Liverpool was that because all season, we've played a version of three at the back. The amount of times that pundits and we all say, oh, look at that fullback who's drifted into midfield. Well, all that does, it leaves us with three at the back, which when they're all fit tends to be Walker, Diaz and one other, whether it's Laporte. And then Cancelo's almost got a bit more freedom to drift in field or bomb down the wing. And he knows that someone will cover for him. The, the big surprise to me was how deep Bernardo played, because I think, as Rob said before, it felt going into that game, it was either Grealish or Bernardo on the wing and Gundogan in the middle or Bernardo in midfield. I don't think it, I'd expected Bernardo to be that deep, but I think what it did was it stopped Liverpool playing or counter-attacking or transitioning as, as they'd like to, but it meant that we had one fewer body going forward. So I don't think we were as dangerous as we could have been, but it also stopped them playing and and really outside of the goal and then the couple of chances when 
the last few minutes when we were pushing forward. Edison made the one save from Salah. Apart from that, they didn't really do a lot, Liverpool. So I I don't think it was a case of Pep overthinking and changing too much. I think we played fairly well and just got you know, a couple of, of moments that went against us. Cancelo, you know, Cancelo defends that through ball properly. We don't concede and everyone goes, actually, we'd have taken a point before the game. The fact that Cancelo stupidly tried to nip in and win the ball, you know, that's not Pep's fault. So yeah. I, I get the criticism in the past. I don't buy it necessarily this weekend. I suspect, Rob, you sit more in Stephen's camp than Sarah's then. It's well, less think, about tinkering. I think Stephen and Sarah make very good points. I don't think we fundamentally disagree. I think tinkering is a very pejorative word and we need to be careful about it. Look at the injuries of the back for City. Stones, Walker, uh, not available, and Sergio Gomez having the trauma of being sent off. So Pep... Pep had to change things. He wasn't in a position just to play his usual back line. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, whose responsibility is it that there's only one person at the back at the time when uh, Alisson creates the opportunity for Salah? Is that a player's responsibility or is it the manager's responsibility? And I genuinely don't know the answer to that. But I'm not going to criticise Cancelo because he's an absolute star who plays out of his skin week in, week out, and he's entitled to make mistakes. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Is the referee entitled to make a mistake, Stephen? Uh, let's sort of talk about the VAR. I suppose we could congratulate VAR and say what a fantastic introduction it is to the Premier League. And we should all be celebrating the fact that it got it right on this occasion. It was a foul. He pulled his shirt. And the, the, whatever the, however the ref refereed the rest of the game in that situation, Harlan pulled his shirt. It was a foul. Goal ruled out. Move on. Well done, VAR. Let's all celebrate. Not sure what there is to criticise there. I agree with all of that. It was the right decision. It's gone against us, so we don't like it. But it's a foul. It, it's possibly a bit soft, but I don't think there's any way it wasn't a foul. Um, and the argument is he let the rest of the game flow, which you know I thought was good. It makes a better game to watch, better spectacle. And then, you know, does it make it more frustrating then that in inverted commas, a soft foul is is pulled back. Maybe, but I really don't think you can argue that it was the wrong decision. It was a foul. And what upsets me more, and I think Sarah touched on it before, is how we just didn't respond to that. It was the, suddenly the crowd's whipped up into a frenzy and Pep plays his part in that and maybe he needs to learn there as well. But once Liverpool got the goal. We didn't really look like responding. We didn't kind of summon up that energy. We don't know if that had anything to do with playing for an hour with 10 men in midweek and just not having that second wind. But 
I don't think you can criticise the ref. I think we got away with it. The incident when Klopp got sent off, which was shocking from him, was an obvious foul by Bernardo on Salah that wasn't given. And that would have been a free kick in a dangerous area. So I, look, I don't really think you can blame the ref in any way for what happened or incorrect decisions. Uh, Rob, do you have a different view on the ref? Uh, just interested in your thoughts? Well, I I uh, am very careful because I remember you being very, very sceptical about the introduction of VAR and you've been proved to be absolutely right. I, I regret saying that, but it is true. And uh, one of the problems for me about that decision was it, it was actually a longer confrontation between the two players. And it's possible that Haaland was fouled before... Uh, he 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 tugged the shirt of his opponent, and if they'd looked at the longer video, then it might have been the case that uh, there would have been a different perspective on it. But I think, and I agree with Bernardo here and with Pep, it's extremely frustrating for the referee to call in the coaches to say, "I'm going to let everything go as much as I can," to let. Uh, that confrontation go in free play and then to uh, turn tail, go to VAR, look at the screen and say it's not a goal. I don't think that's very professional and it's not good practice. I agree with that 100%. Sarah, do you have a view? Well, I I actually want to give Anthony Taylor a bit of credit building on, on the point Stephen made. It was a much better game for allowing a lot of that stuff to flow and, I mean, it, we all know the debate about the amount of time the ball is actually in play in games at the moment. Um, and, and so I think if we want the games to flow, we want them to be more end-to-end and exciting, then we have to accept that sometimes, you know, we'll get some decisions that go for us, like the Bernardo, and it was, I agree with you, Stephen, a foul on Salah on the, on the uh, right touchline. Other times we'll get annoyed that something something doesn't go our way that we think should have done. The only thing I think that Anthony Taylor did that really irritated me was stopping a city break to go yeah. and book Klopp, uh, or to send Klopp off. Uh, why he did that, I do not know. They never normally stop the game to issue a red card. Um, so, I, you know, I thought that was a, a really odd decision. But other than that, I thought he did well. The, the only other quick point I wanted to make in terms of VAR is... The ongoing, and it, and it drives me um, crazy that we, it's still a debate, the ongoing debate about what VAR is actually there to do. Because it's if, if VAR is there to spot a mistake, that's fine. And we, we've all kind of got our heads around a mistake, um, although clearly there's debate about what is and isn't a mistake. But this business of going back and re-refereeing something, he let it go because it was consistent with the approach he was taking to the game. Yeah. And to then go back and say, well, you know, it's it's how you wanted to approach the game, Anthony, but it means you've missed a foul, is not, in our view, it's re-refereeing it. So that's the bit that's frustrating that, uh, you know, as it's still not been solved. How, how many years have we had it now, Nigel? Three, four? Uh, too, too many. However many there are, it's far too many, as, as Rob's already reminded us, and thank you for that, Rob. Uh, listen, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's the frustration. Listen, lots of issues with VAR. I don't want to go through them all today. Uh, it's the last thing I want to do. But I think you've made the point, and it's the point I wanted to have raised, which is, at, just to reiterate, is that issue that 
There were many positives about his performance, the referee, Mr. Taylor, and it was because he refereed it in, in an old-fashioned way. It allowed challenges. He allowed the game to flow. And in that one situation where he was consistent, just because we have the AR, we went back and it was, yeah, that in, in the content, the laws of the game, in in somebody's opinion, sitting sitting there, that's a foul. But it wasn't in the in the context of the game, and and that's our issue. I think it's about going back and re-refereeing. And you've made the point very very well, Rob. It looks like you wanted you want to add something at this point. So well, it looks I, like you may I, want to say something. Yeah, I just uh, I agree with what everybody has said. I do think we need to say something about uh, the coins being thrown at Pep, and I'm the coming foul, to that. Yeah, the foul, unacceptable language by City supporters. Uh, in their chanting during the game, and I think we have to rise above that and condemn it. Let, let's do let's do that now, because that that was kind of something I wanted to go. I wanted to start with with Klopp actually in his behaviour. We're talking about the referee, yeah. uh, and we're talking about the importance of um, sort of being tolerant in every situation. I mean, that was a disgraceful piece of behaviour from a senior manager within within the Premier League, and and I think the referee. You say you're not sure why you delay play. You don't know what's being said behind him. You don't know what impact that's having on the game to his assistant to be fair to everybody on, on the podcast we don't know what was going on and what the what the assistant was saying to him in his ear he clearly said something that was totally unacceptable and some of the images that we're seeing going right up to him and shouting in his ear totally unacceptable uh, yeah. and i'm delighted to see that the action was taken rob you make a very good point we've heard lots of reports that liverpool of port of course put out a statement straight after the game however equally there have been reports from city fans that they were urinated on yeah. um that that pep had coins thrown at him we hear also this evening as we're recording this that the city bus was attacked again and was damaged i suppose my all of all of which is totally unacceptable including the 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 unacceptable chanting from a small section of city fans as i understand it still totally unacceptable my question is and, and you you raise it rob is why has this fixture become so toxic what is it about this fixture that means it is as toxic as i mean do you have a, rob you raise the issue do, do you have a view of why we have this toxic i can't even say the word why it's so toxic yeah i mean i went to liverpool anfield in 1970 and i got stoned and then beaten up twice so this is not new nigel uh what gives it its toxicity is that city are such city are such a good team now and they have thwarted Liverpool time and time again. And that is very irritating to people who support a manager who only a few months ago was saying he had six or seven of the best players in the world. The problem is that City are successful. It's as simple as that, is it, Sarah? Sarah it's just City's success? That's what this is about? Yeah, I mean, it's rivalry, isn't it? You know, we're having the same discussion um, what, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, about the rivalry between a certain team from Trafford and Arsenal. I mean, you know, there were a few incidents that kind of um, fell into that category then. Whether that, that included attacking team buses and urinating on people, I don't know. But, I mean, it, 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 I just want to say one thing very quickly. Klopp, I cannot bear the way he is idolised by the media as the, this great guy, what he's actually, I think, when it chooses to, is quite a nasty bit of work. And yeah. considering they cancelled all the league games, at the, at the grassroots football in Merseyside over the weekend because of treatment towards referees, for him to do that 
I don't care about the passion and all the rest of it. We can all use passion as an excuse. It's not an excuse for appalling behaviour. And I'm glad he was red carded and I hope he gets a severe punishment on top of that. Stephen, what do you have to add to this uh, toxic debate? I agree with every word that Sarah just said. I think there's an, there's an inherent Liverpool versus Manchester like rivalry. There's the on-the-pitch rivalry of we're the two best teams in the country over the last few years. I'm sure there's an undercurrent of Liverpool fans not liking where City's money comes from. And in yeah. their view, they're kind of... They've had a bigger history, more success over the years. They're kind of clean. And, and Klopp plays into that. And, you know, I know City weren't happy with his pre-match um, press conference comments, but he plays up to it because he knows that the fans will make it a more hostile atmosphere. But um, as Rob said, it's nothing new, but it, it does feel like it's, you know, with the bus incident in the Champions League a few years ago, it, it does feel it's gone to a, a different level. And it, it's just ultimately, it's a really unpleasant one to be around whether you're at the game and you can feel it, whether you're watching the game and you see everything that's going on, it just sets a terrible example. It does. Let, let's look back a little bit, if we can remember that far back, uh, to FC Copenhagen. Uh, ended nil-nil in the end, in lots of uh, incident within the game. Let's just have a quick look back before we then look forward to Brighton at the weekend back in the Premier League. But but Stephen, do you kick off on this one for me? Your 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 brief reflections on the nil-nil. Uh, City have qualified, of course, um, looking to win the group in one of the next two games, but but at that point means we do qualify the way results went elsewhere on the night. Yeah, again, like action-packed game. It was action-packed first half, really. Um, I thought incredibly unlucky with the Rodri goal that was ruled out. Incredibly lucky to get the penalty that Mares missed. Incredibly lucky that the referee somehow missed Gomez's foul in, in real time and he deservedly got his red card. And actually after that, I thought we, we played really well. Again, handled a tricky situation away in the Champions League, down to 10 men for an hour, knowing you've got such a big game against Liverpool coming up. And the way that Pep, for all we talked before about how the system against Liverpool and he, he changed it and we weren't happy, going to five at the back or three centre-backs and, and wing-backs against Copenhagen meant we had control and they didn't really threaten us. And, yeah. you know, we just kind of got through the game and managed it. Um, but look, we're through. We're qualified for the next round after four matches. You can't really ask for more than that. I'm sure we'd love to top the group and... But, but it really, it just gives Pep a chance to rest a few players for the last couple of games and and focus all efforts on the Premier League before we break for the World Cup. I mean, Rob Stevens given us a very comprehensive overview. Job done, I guess. That's uh, that's it, isn't it, really? Well, it's not it because we want to finish top of the group and that is very important, I think. So uh, I was delighted that Dortmund screwed up against... Uh, uh, their their opposition. It was a good game. Well, my uh, I want to say two things about the game. Uh, first of all, Mares should not be the penalty taker for City. It should be Haaland, and we should make that decision now, not a game when it's going to be uh, uh, very critical. And 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 secondly, given that we we're down to ten men, we never looked as if we had fewer players on the pitch than they did. 
And that's a sign of the well-organized team. But it's clearly a team that is tired. And you have to reflect on that in the context of what's coming up. So it's good that we're not playing Arsenal on Wednesday uh, and they have a few days to to recover. So it was a point one, not two points lost. Uh, I don't think Haaland was on the pitch at the time. Uh, so in that situation, who then takes the penalty if it's not Mares? If Haaland's rested, which of course he was against Copenhagen, I think. Well, what I'm saying is, if it comes to the crunch again uh, and Haaland is playing and Mares is, and to me, there's no, there's no real competition. It has to be Haaland. Sarah, Copenhagen, FC Copenhagen, nil-nil. Yeah, it's a sparkling game, wasn't it? it? Actually, it wasn't a bad game in the end. And I think, you know, Stephen and Rob have summed it up. Take a point, no major injury or no injuries, um, a decent workout. I think on the point about the penalty taker, I, I have no confidence in Mares taking penalties, even though he's scored a fair few. Um, but since uh, Haaland nor De Bruyne were on the pitch at the time, the only other thing I'd say is Gundogan took a quite a few decent penalties for us, but... I think it's I think it's a confidence thing with Maris. I think that's what it is. I think I think he's not played he's not at his best this season. And I think probably there was a sense of if he gets if he gets a goal from a penalty, it'll help his confidence. Uh, before we go, I just want to I just want to ask Rob one question before he has to go. Uh, if I say, just give us a, your a few thoughts, Rob, about uh, Brighton at the weekend. Then before um, you go, my friend. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Brighton are a very good team. But if we're not fired up for this, then we won't be fired up for anything. So it's a great opportunity to wash away the Liverpool stains and hopefully they'll demonstrate 100% commitment and I'm sure we're going to win. Stephen, so your, your thoughts then ahead of uh, the game at uh, the Etihad, three o'clock kickoff. Uh, against Brighton on Saturday, who are overperforming this season, it's fair to say. Yeah, not so much the last few games with with the new manager. Um, I think they've lost the last couple. They're they're a team that have, have in the last few years against us, but really against everyone, played brilliant football for a side that don't have the stars and they don't have a goal scorer. But I think watching them under Potter is is so much fun. They play such attacking football. Um, I think it's a shame we don't have a midweek game because I just think after a game like Liverpool where everyone's just this pent-up frustration, you just want to get out there and play again and, and put the world to rights. So I think it's a shame we, we've got to wait a week. Equally, as as Rob said before, you know, there's a few tired legs in there. There's a few players who you might have back for, for the next couple of games, but no, we have to be beating Brighton at home. There's no of way around that really Sarah Brighton yeah I, I, I mean I agree with Stephen I, I've been to watch City play Brighton quite a few times in uh, particularly um, down in uh, in Brighton and they're always really good games Brighton are a uh, a very attractive team to watch I, I do think they're affected by Potter's departure let's hope that continues on when on, on Saturday just on the issue of a midweek game I, I, I do agree with you, Stephen. I think usually you want to get back out within three days. The only thing is, because our midweek game would have been Arsenal, I'm kind of glad it's not happening. So, um, but I, 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 look, you're going to win the league, you have to beat Brighton at home. So, 
let, let's hope that's what happens. Uh, before we go, there is the small issue of Ballon d'Or, of course, which as we're recording this, it's happening as we speak. Uh, so by the time people will be listening to this, you'll already know the result. But so just uh, any chance of any City player appearing anywhere near the award, the top award, do we think, this year? Or do we even care? Looking at your face, Stephen, looks like you don't even care. Couldn't care less. De Bruyne is really good at football. He wins us lots of games. He wins us lots of trophies. Who cares if he wins or doesn't win the Ballon d'Or? It's probably not the answer. Do you think he might then? Do you think he, do you think he well? might then? Do you think he might? I don't know. I don't know. He Sarah, might you help us out. Stephen genuinely couldn't care. I can. You can't I, see his face on this recording, <laughs> but I can, and he really well, couldn't care less. I, Stephen may not care, but I suspect Kev might care about winning the Ballon d'Or. Um, not to the extent that it's the be-all and end-all. He's, he's the epitome of a team player, but. Look, he's been the best midfielder in Europe, if not the world, for the past five or six years. Um, my my concern is that it often goes to somebody from a team that won the Champions League, um, and I suspect if if we are, you know, in the absence of having won the Champions League, it may not be De Bruyne's year. But he deserves to win the Ballon d'Or before his career ends, definitely. Well. By the time you're listening to this, you'll know the answer to that question. We don't, of course, but huge thanks to three Ballon d'Or winners, as far as I'm concerned, Rob Behrens, CTID, to Stephen Allwise and to Sarah Messenger. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.